I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of La Liga Lowdown, hosted by me, Ewan McTeer. This episode is part of our club podcast series and in this one we bring you the story of Real Betis, one of the best supported clubs in all of Spain. Not only do they have a huge membership base, but this club from Seville have achieved a lot over the years too. Let's have a listen to some of those moments of glory. Enseguida va a poder celebrar el Betis con su afición este triunfo que supone continuar en Europa, que supone tener ya a falta de una jornada para que termine esta fase de grupos el billete para los 16 avos de final. El día domingo se acabó el Betis. Ahora se acabó. Se acabó el Betis campeón. Ahora se acabó. Se acabó el Betis campeón de Copa. La Copa se viene para Andalucía. El Betis ha ganado la final de la Copa del Rey Osasuna por dos goles a uno. We heard some of the club's highlight moments there, specifically a couple of their big wins in Europe over Olympiacos and AC Milan, and their most recent major trophy, the Copa del Rey of 2004-2005. One of their other greatest moments was from all the way back in 1935 when they won the 7th edition of La Liga. To find out more about that and the rest of the club's early history, here's Paco Pollitt coming up after a quick listen in to the Real Betis club hymn. Real Betis Balompié, in its current form, was founded in Andalusia in 1914, but the history of the club actually goes back even further than this. Sevilla Balompié, a small spin-off club, was created in 1907 to compete with crosstown rivals Sevilla FC by a small group of students from the local college. The club only played at an amateur level before being officially recognized by the Spanish football authorities two years later in 1907, laying the foundations for the Verdi Blancos we now know and love. A second breakaway organization called Betis Football Club was formed in 1914 and subsequently merged with the now-established Sevilla Balompié. 
add in an official royal patronage to the mix and we finally have the end product that's recognized globally to this day as Real Betis Balompié. After a national Spanish league system was launched in 1929, Betis spent the first four campaigns in the second tier before finishing top of the table in 1931-32 and finally making the leap from the second division into La Liga and becoming the first Andalusian club to do so since its inception. A successful first two seasons in the top flight was topped off in 1935 when Betis won their first and only La Liga title, making them one of just nine clubs in Spain to be named first division champions still to this day. The champagne wasn't flowing for long though. Betis were relegated back into Segunda just two seasons later, which opened the door to the darkest period in the club's history. In 1947, just a few years after being crowned champions of Spain, Betis were officially relegated into Tercera, the third division of the Spanish football pyramid. After multiple long, dark and painful seasons plying their trade in the depths of lower league football, the identity and mantra of the club was unknowingly and carefully being shaped. Viva el Betis manque pierda, long live Betis, even when they lose, that became the motto. Despite the lower quality and lack of prestige within the league, the Betis fans' faithful passion for the club didn't wither with their results. Hordes of faithful supporters continued to flood stadiums around the country to support their club, even in this period of decline, which has paved the way for the global reputation Beticos have for being wild, passionate and loyal even today. Just like everything in life, Betis' darkest period only lasted for so long and in 1954 they became the only club in history to win the top three league titles within Spanish football, making a triumphant return to Segunda and then back into Primera just a few seasons after. In 1955, arguably the most significant personal change in the club's history took place. Manuel Ruiz Rodríguez left his position as president to make way for Benito Millamarín to carve out his own era. And that's exactly what he did. Villamarín led Betis back to the promised land, first returning to La Liga in 1959 after their longest tenure without top-flight football, then keeping them in the top 10 for the five years after. A shock third-place finish following 1964, but the celebrations were short-lived as the club continued to leap up and down between Primera and Segunda following the famous president's departure in 1965. The 70s were a mixed bag of success and disappointment for Real Betis. The club lifted their first Copa del Rey title in 1977 after a tumultuous and dramatic penalty shootout against Athletic Club in the Vicente Calderón. A 2-2 full-time result saw 21 penalties taken in extra time before the Andalusians were finally crowned champions and ushered in a new era of European football in Heliopolis, competing in the famous Cup Winners' Cup. They spent 10 seasons in a row in the top division across the 1980s before the club's on-pitch successes would continue into the 90s, with famous head coach Lorenzo Serra Ferrer leading Betis to a third-place finish in their return to Primera in 1995 and qualifying for the UEFA Cup, where they were subsequently knocked out in the third round by a rampant Bordeaux side that eventually went on to lose in the final against Bayern Munich. Two more rough and tumble seasons in La Liga would round off the 20th century in typical Betis fashion. 
some great highs, but an inevitably painful low, with the club finishing 18th in the 1999-2000 and facing yet another relegation, meaning Betis would see in the first season of the new millennium as a segunda side. Real Betis weren't the only Seville club to spend the 2000-2001 season in the second division. Their city rival Sevilla were down there too in what was a bad year for the city football-wise. But both clubs put together excellent campaigns to return to the top tier. Sevilla in first place and Betis in second. Once they came back up, things got a lot better for Betis. For a while at least. Roman de Arquer is going to explain more now. After returning to La Liga in 2001, Real Betis quickly rebuilt itself to keep competing at a high level as if the relegation had never happened. They finished 6th in their first season back, just 5 points away from a Champions League spot. But the UEFA Cup would do. Although, coach Juan de Ramos would depart despite the fantastic campaign after no renewal agreement was reached with the always controversial president Manuel Ruiz de Lopera, who didn't want to pay what Ramos was asking for. So Victor Fernandez took charge instead. He would last a bit longer, but again, the relationship with Lopera complicated his renewal, so he opted to leave after achieving an 8th and 9th position in his two seasons at the club, just missing out on European positions both times. This meant that Lorenzo Serra Ferre would return to run things once again, and this time he would actually conquer the Copa del Rey he just missed out on in 1997. That 2005 was a memorable year for Betis as they not only lifted their second Copa del Rey after beating Osasuna by two goals to one in the final, but they also finished fourth in La Liga with the chance of becoming the first Andalusian side to play Champions League football since it had changed name and format. An achievement they succeeded with after defeating Monaco in their qualifying round who had played the UCL final just a couple of seasons before. They then landed in a group with Liverpool, Chelsea and Anderlecht where they would finish third, dropping to the UEFA Cup and making it as far as the round of 16. But despite enjoying a good run of European football, Betty struggled in the league with an underwhelming 14th position. As a matter of fact, Real Betis would go through a rough crisis with President Lopera having a central role, especially after being involved in a tax offence which implicated the club. Lopera would seize his president shortly after, but the damage was already done, and his ties to Betis would remain until 2017. So after a few poor seasons flirting with relegation and a constant flux of different managers, Betis couldn't avoid the fall in 2009. But fortunately for them, their run in the second tier wouldn't last too long. As soon as Pepe Mel took charge, things began to look up for Betis. They finished first in their second campaign in Segunda and earned their ticket back up. Pepe Mel would become the first manager to last at least three seasons in charge since Serra Farré's first stint between 1994 and 1997. He got Betis back to Europe in 2013 after finishing 7th and making it to the quarterfinals in the Copa del Rey. But during his 4th year he just couldn't make it work anymore with 3 competitions in play. Betis were doing well in the Europa League but in La Liga results were very poor and Mel got sacked after match day 15. Juan Carlos Garrido and then Gabriel Calderón took over but neither managed to get Betis out of the very bottom of the standings returning to Segunda. But the beloved Pepe Mel was called back given Betis weren't fulfilling expectations with manager Julio Velázquez in their aspirations of making it back to Primera. 
he did his magic once more, repeating that first position from 2011. Although, his return to Primera wouldn't go as expected when a run of 8 games without winning meant he was to be fired for a second time. The club would still struggle to find stability until Kike Setien came on board in 2017. He managed to get Betis back to Europe by playing a football that really caught the eye but didn't fully have the consensus of all the Betis fan base. They got some great away results like a 5-3 win versus Sevilla at the Sanchez Pizjuan and a 1-0 win at the Santiago Bernabeu, but they also suffered some rough defeats when they lost 5-0 versus Barcelona or 6-3 against Valencia. The good results followed the next season, making it all the way to the Copa del Rey semi-final after eliminating Racing de Santander, Real Sociedad and Español, but then falling short versus Valencia with a 3-2 aggregate. In the Europa League, they comfortably won their group without losing a single game, including a 2-1 away win at San Siro against AC Milan. Unfortunately, Betis were then eliminated in the round of 32 in a crazy two-legged matchup which ended 6-4 on aggregate for Stade René. The downside was finishing 10th in La Liga and not qualifying for Europe by just 3 points, which ultimately cost Setien his job after a mutual agreement to leave at the end of the season. The Rui and Borja Iglesias tandem, who had qualified Espanyol to Europe ahead of Betis, landed at the Benito Villamarín in the following season. But what was supposed to be an exciting campaign was more like a nightmare with Betis barely avoiding relegation. But that was quickly corrected by signing the experienced Manuel Pellegrini in 2020, who achieved the objective of leading Betis back to Europe, allowing the fans to dream big once again. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, we're going to move on now to the section in these podcasts where we hear about club legends. We've got Andrew Miller to do that for this episode, so here he is coming up with his free picks for all-time icons of the club. Any football club with rich and detailed history spanning over a hundred years will naturally have welcomed some true icons through their doors. And Real Betis are no exception. A great place to start would actually be 1,300 kilometres southwest of Seville, 
in the Las Palmas province of Gran Canaria, where, in 1981, a young man by the name of Ruben Castro Martin was born. After progressing through the famous Palmas Youth Academy and playing over 100 games for the senior squad, Ruben Castro finally made the permanent move to the Spanish mainland, signing for Real Betis in the summer of 2010 for a fee of around 1.5 million euros. Now at the time, nobody quite knew just how much of a bargain this deal would actually turn out to be. 27 goals and 41 appearances in his debut season for Los Verde Blancos as part of a prolific partnership with journeyman striker Jorge Molina, together launched Betis to a Segunda title and straight back into La Liga for the following season. But the step up in level didn't seem to phase Ruben Castro, scoring 16, 18 and 10 in the respective three La Liga seasons since assisting Betis back into the top flight, before once again being called upon to lead the club out of Segunda in 2015 and securing his second Golden Boot award in the process. Castro truly redefined the term fox in the box, one of the most prolific scorers in Spanish football history and the top of the list for all-time Betis goal scorers, he truly excelled in front of goal like very few ever have. Now when you look back, there are a multitude of managers that have etched their names into Real Betis history, but it's Lorenzo Serra Ferrer who arguably made the biggest impact on the club in recent memory. The Mallorca-born manager amassed over 200 games at the helm of Betis across two different spells. Initially joining at the tail end of the 1993-94 season, achieving promotion back into Primera and immediately leading a monumental charge to third place the following season, finishing ahead of Barcelona and cross-town rival Sevilla, trailing only Real Madrid and Deportivo La Coruña. Serra Ferra reignited the club once again to top pro finish in 1997, before eventually moving on to take over a sporting director role at Barcelona. After a few down years away from the game, Serra Ferra returned to the dugout at the Benito Villamarín in the summer of 2004 and made quite the statement. A ninth place finish the previous season had left plenty of work to be done in the squad, so that's what they did. Fast forward to the end of the season and Serafera had once again worked his magic. A fourth place finish and a third major trophy added to the club's museum after Betis sealed the deal in the Vicente Calderón Stadium against Javier Aguirre's Osasuna. Unfortunately for Betis and Serafera, they didn't sail happily into the sunset together. An abysmal 14th place finish the following season and an early exit from the Champions League was then followed up by a 3-0 UEFA Cup knockout defeat which saw the heroic coach once again depart from his position at the club. It's hard to mention Real Betis without thinking about that man, Joaquin. The club's greatest ever captain, the club's greatest ever player, the record holder for appearances and, after purchasing shares back in 2017, one of the club's owners. Born in the nearby province of Cadiz, Joaquin joined Betis' youth system in 1997 before making his much-anticipated professional debut with his senior team as a 19-year-old back in the year 2000. Not coincidentally, the same season that Betis were promoted back into La Liga from Segunda. In 2001, Joaquin officially joined the likes of Xavi, Sergio Ramos and Ica Casillas in winning the Don Ballon, a now defunct Best Breakthrough Player Award in Spanish football. And that set the tone for what was to come. Over the next five seasons, Joaquin became one of the key cogs in the Betis machine, before making the difficult decision to accept a big money move to fellow La Liga side Valencia, and becoming the club's record signing at that time. Five successful seasons in Valencia eventually led Joaquin to join an up-and-coming project at Malaga, but after only two seasons, the Andalusian winger made his first and only move to a foreign side, joining Fiorentina in Italy for two years. But in August 2015, Joaquin announced that he would be returning to his boyhood club, initially agreeing a three-year deal with Betis to make the move back to Seville, where he's now gone on to make over 460 appearances, and still counting. To Betis, 
Joaquin is more than just a player or even club legend. His status within the club goes far beyond his on-pitch heroics. He truly embodies the club's philosophy and mantra. He's a leader within the local community and his vibrant personality has carried the Betis faithful through so many ups and downs, as only he could. Yes, Joaquin is without a doubt the all-time Real Betis legend, one of their own and one of the fans. And we're going to move on to talk about the fans now, and we'll do so by bringing in journalist David Whitworth, a Real Betis fan and collaborator with Radio Betis. Here he is to discuss the experience of going to a game. Well, a matchday experience at the home of Real Betis Balompier, the Estadio Benito Villamarín, is very much an event. It's not just the match itself. It's the hours before the game, after the game, and the game itself. The stadium is located in the neighbourhood of Heliopolis, just off the Avenida de la Palmera. And even two, three hours before kickoff, you can see many, many supporters taking a daba or drinking or discussing the match with so much passion and colour, which is what the Sevillanos are all about. Sevilla and its two football teams live and love for their football and the passion is unrivaled in Spain. So you have the pre-match and then people take their seats even an hour and a half before kickoff in eagerly anticipated for what is an event for people. It's not just a football match. People come to... It's very much a tribal thing, a religious thing. People come to to see their team, cheer their team. The bufanda, the scarf, is more important than the actual shirt itself, which is something that really uh, was noteworthy for me coming from England. Everybody has a scarf, and I understand why, because people are throwing it in the air, waving it around when we score, or when we sing the, the beautiful hymn, of Betis, which always gives me goosebumps, especially at night. At night is a very, very special event indeed. Under the lights, it becomes a whole new ball game. And thanks to the lighting system that we installed a couple of years ago, the different lights, the music, the ambience, it's an amazing, an amazing experience if you haven't witnessed it, if you haven't lived it, if you haven't experienced it. Certainly a, a match under the lights is a wholly, whole different situation. But even in the daytime, it's a, it's a fantastic experience. And Betis are, for me, all about passion and family. And you can see that when the people are cheering on the team. Very loyal bunch as well. People cheer on the team throughout the match. Certainly the... Uh, the, the, the supporters in the South Stand, Supporters Sioux, they cheer on the team with the drums and the megaphone, come what may. And it's an amazing event. Win, lose or draw, like the phrase, Viva Brenti Manquipiera, long live Betis, even in defeat. And even after the game, people are milling around the stadium, waiting to see the players discuss the post-match. Pretty much like you would see on TV. Everybody's got an opinion. Very demanding, but very knowledgeable as well. And 
it's a whole atmosphere. The stadium is a beautiful stadium, over 60,000. Most of the time it's full and it's a wonderful atmosphere. Surrounded by beautiful palm trees. It's a very idyllic stadium and certainly with the facelift that our stadium has been given a few years ago, it's really made it even more beautiful. It's a wonderful event and I know I feel very, very privileged to have seen a match at the Estadio Benito Bimarin and to be part of Real Betis Balompier. Yes, Real Betis is a special club and they have a special home there at the Benito Villamarín. It's definitely one to include on all La Liga bucket lists. I hope you've enjoyed learning about the club and I want to thank all the contributors to this episode. That's Paco Pollock, Roman de Arcaire, Andrew Miller and David Whitworth. And I've been your host, Hugh McTeer. Remember, we are La Liga Lowdown and we have similar episodes available on all La Liga clubs. We hope you'll check some of the other ones out. For now, thanks for listening to this one.